Ron and Anian. When you look at the older TV shows, all the cars had color. They were all different colors, red, green, blue, white. Today, everything is white, silver, or black. You know, very, the country's very blah. The car doctor. I took my car in, and they told me the left rear brake was uh, completely worn down almost to nothing. So it would appear like, I assume, the caliper is sticking. Is that what you would suspect? Yeah, I would think either the, the caliper or is the, I think, on an O3 element, the parking brake cable is part of the caliper. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900, the Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Here, as always, talking to you about your automobile problems, whatever they might be. More information, cardoctorshow.com. Podcasting is available out there. Remember, if you're podcasting and we thank you, please, please, please click subscribe or follow whatever device you're using, Spreaker or DoublePod on an Android or whatever device you're using. Please, if you have the option to subscribe or follow, it helps on our reporting, our numbers, and um, uh, they, they go up every week, and that's good because then we're here every week because that's part of this, too. Um, as that side of the business uh, does count. Um, there's been a change on the other side of the glass. What happened to the other fellow, young man? He had to take a uh, quick family phone call. Oh, everything all right? Yeah, I think everything's good. Okay. So now I got you. That's right. No, no, you, no. You, you got the better looking one of the group. No wise guy comments or anything? I'm kind of disappointed. Not yet. Usually I get a challenge. Not yet. Did you have a nice week? I spent the week down south. Yeah, so. where, where'd you go this week? Um, I started in Virginia. Went down to uh, North Carolina. Are you due for an oil change yet? Uh, actually, I did it before I changed. I didn't have time to call you, so I had to change elsewhere. Uh, but we're going to talk after the show because my car, my car, and the wife's car are going for inspection tomorrow, and uh, what she could, may need brakes. What could possibly go wrong? I probably not much because you saw it recently, but hers uh, yeah. may need brakes. I don't understand how other shops do inspections. I have to tell you that real quick as a comment. I had a we had a a, a customer Eddie called yesterday. Um, Eddie and Sarah and her Dodge Avenger, which had been in to see us January, um, went in for Pennsylvania State inspection. And see, I don't remember being able to do this as a motor vehicle inspector, but they're trying to tell her in Pennsylvania. It was a very weird phone call. In Pennsylvania, they were allowed to fail the car because one of the shocks, if I remember, if it's like it was in January, one of the shocks is leaking a little bit of oil. It wasn't terrible, um, but you look at the age of the car; they want to put you know four shocks on it and spend. Well, they said it was twelve hundred dollars, which doesn't make any sense. They're using some cheap stuff. It was a Ford dealer working on a Dodge. I don't understand that at all, um, but I guess that's the way it is in, in, in parts of PA. It's remote, and they just they just swap car lines. But the point becomes, I, I didn't see any clear, definitive rulings on what defines what you can, you know, what's 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 legitimately bad. Brakes, I get. Shocks and struts, there doesn't seem to be a, a firm ruling on that. Have you driven in Pennsylvania lately? Um, no. If you had, you'd understand why shocks and struts, the way you get cut off and, well, and the whole bid. You know, uh, down south, North Carolina, they're so polite when they drive. They drive the speed limit. Actually, they drive under it. They don't cut you off. It's not like up here. It's no fun to drive down there. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's it's, and I understand that. But still, you know what? I still think fixing cars has to include 
a modicum of common sense. And I think that's really the important part for, you know, there are some people that can't afford to fix that car 110% or 100%. Is it safe? When I was a kid growing up in the gas station, Billy always said, you know, the rules are it's got to have good tires, decent brakes, and decent suspension. But don't try and restore a seven, eight-year-old car to factory level because if the person can't afford it, you're going to put them out of the car and put them on the side of the road. Now they can't get to work and support their family. And, my God, that's 40 years ago. Um, that was so long ago, Billy's dead five years. All right? That's how long ago this was. So, you know, this is – and it still applies today. The car's got to be safe. The car's got to be reliable. After that, it's all fluff. And well, the thing that drives me nuts is like here in New York and a lot of states – there's no state inspection station. You go, you, you go to a garage. You go right. someplace. Not everybody's around an Indian. I mean, I, I took, I took my car at one point to a Ford dealer, and they came out and they said, "You got to do the brakes immediately. It's not going to pass." And I went, I looked at him. I said, "Fail it." And a matter of fact, I remember this. And the guy looked at me. I said, "You heard me, fail it." And I brought it to you a couple of days later for an oil change. And I was, said, "Ron, there was nothing wrong with those brakes." Well, yeah, I said, "Ron." They said that we needed to do something with the brakes, and, and I had their inspection report, and this dealership had actually taken out a micrometer and measured the brake pads. You looked at the pads and came up with the exact number that was on that form and said, in New York, it's down to bare metal. There's nothing wrong with these brakes. Right. There's plenty of life left, and it was like, really? See, and... Yeah, but so, so I take it to an oil, oil change place now. They can change the oil, they can change the wiper blades, they can change the light bulbs. That's all they can do. There's no incentive for them to fail the car. I, I sort of think... And not sort of. I do think, and I've and I've, and I've said this for, God, I, I I forget how long. I think one of the reasons repair shops oversell, and not all of them, but some of them, I think the reason they oversell is they don't have, and maybe I'm naive, and I probably am. They don't have the confidence that their customer is going to come back because they value their business as something. A value that, that that what they do is worthwhile. Well, well that and, and in a lot of state like in New York, it's twenty one dollars to get the car inspected. Let's face it, you take it in, you're going to tie a bay up for a good twenty minutes because in New York they expect you to pull a wheel and the whole bit. Right. Um, do you charge twenty one dollars for twenty minutes in a bay? Well, you know, you're not going to make anything. And and then there's that. Listen, inspection at, 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 at all levels makes no sense to me. Why in New Jersey, and you know, I shouldn't put this hat on, but now I'm going to put my garage owner hat on, okay? Why in New Jersey, I'm supposed to, well, I'm not supposed to, but I have to charge for inspection to pay for the machine, the training, the registration, the forms, the licenses. I mean, it, it goes on forever. And you can go 10 minutes down the road from the shop and get it inspected by the state for free. Explain to me what genius designed this system. Uh, you know, and I know, well, listen, we're all idiots. We all went out and bought machines. Everybody said, oh, I can do inspection because I've got people that don't want to go to the state. But yet we're competing against a guy for free, which is, you know, that makes about as much sense as Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, a ventriloquist act on radio in the 40s. I mean, how hard was that to figure out? Oh, you're right. I, I mean, there, there used to be a guy near my house, and, and this just goes to show you the honesty, dishonesty in the business. He was a muffler repair shop. He was a state inspection station. Here was the inspection. Hand me 20 bucks, okay? Here's your scraper. Here's your sticker. Go put it on the car. Wow. And that was it. That was the inspection. It was like, okay. <laughs> and, and you could do that? No, you can't. Oh. But he did. And he's out of business now. I, I, can't I, I think the why. guy died, but, uh, you know. I can't understand why. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't know if I'll ever, I, I just, you know, 
Yeah, it's, it doesn't make any sense. I guess we're going to open up the phones. Let's go talk to Gary in Florida, who's been listening to us, uh, our diatribe there for 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. Gary, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. Thanks for waiting. I appreciate your patience. How can I help? Good morning. Yes, you sir. had a uh, guy call in, had a problem with the air conditioner yeah, going on. Sure. Yeah, from Florida. And then yep. off Chuck. while yep. he was driving it. Yep, 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 yep. I had a uh, 2003 Honda, had the same problem. And I found out it was a control unit underneath the hood in the fuse box. Yeah, we changed that out, and everything worked. Now, and, and I appreciate your thoughts. Now, here's what you have to consider. In his case, see, you can't make the assumption because it worked for you on a Honda, it's going to work for him on a Ford. But I understand what you're saying. Because, yeah, you're right. On him, it could be a relay. It could be the compressor clutch if the air gap is too big. It could be the PCM, the powertrain mm-hmm. control module, not turning the relay on to turn the compressor on. It could be a coolant temp sensor affecting or a throttle position sensor affecting um, uh, air conditioning on time. But the, the mistake he had made was he walked into a repair shop, and I guess it isn't so much his mistake. I think the repair shop made the mistake. They just wanted to take his money. They were about, he said, hey, the AC doesn't work, and their first answer was, let's throw a charge in it. There's no sight glasses on new cars. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of an acquired skill to sit there and look at system pressure, and at best it's an educated guess at that point. You know, how much do I add? Four ounces, eight ounces, ten ounces, whatever. Um, but, you know... I have no problem with putting a part in your Honda. You know, we at least take it for a ride, verify the clutch is not coming on, verify pressures and things like that. But then after that, it's got to be, you know, got to diagnose. Got to diagnose. Listen. Yeah, I took it. Go ahead. I took it back to my repair guy twice, and then third time I took it back, I said there's got to be something in between. Right. And that's what it came up with was the uh, control module was bad under the hood. Right, and I believe I believe he's probably talking about the relay. Um, little little square uh, box yeah, sits probably. in the relay box. The relay was about thirty five bucks, thirty thirty five bucks, something like that. Amen. Yeah, um, you know that's like go back to the last hour. I was talking about the O three Mercury Grand Marquis with the air conditioning that didn't work. The control head didn't power up. Imagine if I had changed all the components I ran into along the way. The control head was part of this. The ignition switch was part of this. The central junction box under the dash was part of this. The the battery junction box out by the battery was part of this. Imagine if I started changing components without any diagnosing, without yeah. any troubleshooting. Where where would the customer be? He'd be into the car at, you know, two grand and maybe then I would have gotten, you know, lucky and found the broken wire if I didn't make the effort to go find it. I think and my point then as it is now is We've got to get more in the habit of, of, of getting used to research and diagnosis. One of the, one of the hardest mm-hmm. phone calls for me to take over the past 26 or 27 years, whatever this has been, and if you listen to the show from time to time, you'll hear somebody call in, you know, I've got such and such a car, and I've got $1,000 worth of parts in it, and it's still not right, and I called you because now I want the answer. And my question is, why don't you diagnose it? You know what they tell me? I didn't want to spend any money on the car. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there are $1,000 in wrong parts, and now, they're gonna, now they don't want to spend any money on the car. It's, it's, it's a hard call to listen to because well, you I feel w- the pain. I, I want to have it done right, or I don't want to do it at all. Right. 
And I think that's the case with a lot of people, Gary. I really do. The problem is they don't, they don't know, they don't know where to go, and they don't know who to talk to. Um, I still think sometimes, I think a lot of times, that you know, auto repair is about the relationship. You want to be able to walk in and say, "Hey, fix this." You know, here's the problem. Solve it. All right. And unfortunately, and maybe that's something we do. Maybe that's the human flaw in all of us. We tend to make it about money. And we don't look at cost. We don't look at accuracy. We don't look at quality. And, and, and from there, the repair goes downhill. Now, granted, some of this is self-induced by the repair shop. Some of this is self-induced by the vehicle owner. But I find that when I work and deal with people, whether I'm getting something done or I'm doing something for somebody, I look for the relationship. And that's what makes it work and go a whole lot easier the long one. So um, anyway, Gary, appreciate the call. And uh, how hot is it in Florida today, by the way? Uh, it's only about 89 here in the garage. Gee, it's like a spring break for you guys. Um, it is. <laughs> so, what, what, what part of Florida are you in? Sebring. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, I know the Sebring affiliate, absolutely. Hey, Gary, you have yourself a good rest of the Middle afternoon. Middle of the state either way. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a great state. The only thing about Florida, real quick, that makes me nuts is you guys have those alligators there? Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't live in a state where something could eat me out sitting out by the swimming pool. That just makes me nervous. Uh, but um, stay away from the edge of the pool. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gary, I gotta go. I'm, I'm. I've. I've lost the clock at this point. I gotta go make up for it. But uh, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You take good take care. care. Yes, sir. Bye, bye. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter: getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy in the car, Dr. 855-560-9900. Let's go over and talk to Brian in the great city of Philadelphia. 2017 hey, Ron, Ford Fusion. Good, Brian. How are, you? how are you? What's going on? Oh, not bad. I have a uh, 2017 Ford Fusion. I bought it new. Um, maybe in, um, about six months after I bought it, I had a battery drain. Couldn't figure it out. Took it to the dealer. They said it was an ACM. Okay. And uh, that had to be re um, restarted. Not restarted. What did they say? Reset or something or reprogrammed. And um, it, everything was fine. Um, six months later, had same thing happen to me. Another battery drain, and it was the ECM. Had to do the same thing, restart it or reprogram it or reset it. And um, I did a Google search, and I came up with a, a lot of things about it, um, with that model and the problem, and the dealer said, oh, we've never even heard of it. And um, I don't know if this is, because the Fusion is a very good record. It's been pretty good, but I don't know if this is something you've seen or heard. Um, um, I've seen Is there anything it. I can do to prevent it, or is it just something with the software it just can happen no i think i think what the dealer is describing is i'm aware that and i believe there is a software update for the pcm basically what's going on is and i think what they're describing to you 
is that those modules, as well as some others, aren't going to sleep properly. There's a timeout function, all right? And I, I believe what they're, dis, they're, they're saying to you when they say reset, I think they're talking about that those modules were flashed or had software updates done to them, mm-hmm. all right? Um, so I would ask them that. If it's a software update, now, have you had the problem since they did the PCM? No, I think it was, from what I look at, my documents are right in front of me. The first one they called A-A-C-M. Yeah, and accessory. And the second one they said E-C-M. Well, E-C-M, P-C-M are the same thing. A-C- oh, okay. A-C-M, um, I don't, I don't did, know the they, abbreviation off the top of my head. I'd have to, okay. I'd have to look Actually, that one up. Actually, they did, ever since they did those two, everything has been fine. Right. Uh, pretty much. I've had some, like, window problems with the power windows, uh, you know, the automatic window thing. Um, but I don't think that's related, and they restate that's been fixed. So I've been okay. I'm just a little bit paranoid that this might yeah. happen again. <laughs> well, what, what I would do, um, you know, if, if they're your mechanic, I would ask them, or if the next time you go into your regular mechanic, I would just have somebody do a milliamp draw test, which is pretty simple. Just put an amp meter in, in line, disconnect negative battery cable, and look to see what is the current draw after, and that card's probably going to take 45 minutes for everything to time out. Right. And, and just see what the current draw is. You should see 50 milliamps or less. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of cases, it takes up to an hour, an hour and 15 minutes on some of the newer Fords for everything to finally go to sleep, depending on how the car is optioned out. But I, th- okay. I, I, I think what you're describing to me is they did software updates because modules weren't going to sleep properly. They did mention that. They said, yeah, they did mention not going to sleep and draining yeah. the battery. Yeah. They actually mentioned those exact words that yeah. you said. And, and, that's, and, that, and that's the future, man. I'm telling you. It's, you know, yeah. We're, we're going to see more and more of this. That Car, yeah, I think you once, a couple of years ago, I remember you saying cars are now computers on wheels. Yep, that's all they are. Um, yeah. That's all they Thank are. Thank you so much. Yeah, and you know, it just kind of makes you wonder what, uh, um, what's going to happen when that self-driving computer on wheels has a problem. God how, forbid. How, how is it, you're not a mechanic. I think you're a mechanic. You're a car. You're an automotive mechanical engineer now. Yeah, it's 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 just it's staggering. Um, a friend of mine uh, was working at the local Audi dealer, and um, he just he just left. He's he's going back to being working in a private shop, and he's telling me the things that they do. Um, he said it, it's it's so difficult at dealer level. Well, Audi, for example, he said, you know, they're doing a lot of recalls on catalytic converters. So I'm thinking, you know, catalytic converter recalls. I know some of them are three, four hours. He said, yeah, 09 Audi A8, I think was the car he was talking about. We're doing recalls on cars with 150,000 miles for bad catalytic converters. And he said it could be 12 hours. Oh, my God. You know, you're, you're taking drivetrains down and, you know, engines out, and you're doing all this work on... Cars are going to get to that point, and I think they are there, where um, you know there's going to be a finite life cycle, and working on them is going to require an engineering degree. So, hey, Brian, I appreciate the call, and uh, good luck to you and yours down there, Philly way. Um, have a cheesesteak for us. 855-560-9900. Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We are coming back right after this. Thanks. Welcome back. Ron and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, Car Doctor, Facebook.com. No, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor at Facebook.com. And uh, don't forget to click on subscribe when you podcast. Out of the Car Care Council, I want to touch on this out of Bethesda, Maryland recently. Um, press release that talks about, imagine being stuck in traffic on a 90-degree day when your vehicle's air conditioning system malfunctions with summer heating up. 
The non-profit Car Care Council recommends that motorists be car care aware and have their AC system checked to make sure it's working properly. They are correct on this, but one of the things that I want to touch on also, and then they go on to say, and let me just finish it, as the weather turns warmer, the last thing anyone wants is to be hot under their collar, um, said Rich White, Executive Director of the Car Care Council. Make sure AC system is working properly. will keep you and your passengers cool and safe, making it very enjoyable for somewhere on the road. More information at carcare.org. One of the things... To talk about, and they they bring this up later on about checking the system is, you know, be certain when you're getting the AC system serviced. You know, if you're driving an 8 to 10-year-old vehicle and you've got the original radiator, the original hoses, the original thermostat, the original condenser, and a lot of cars are going 200,000, 15 years down the road, you've got to think about the, the, the summer heat on that cooling system and how that's going to affect, number one, the AC, and number two, your the vehicle's longevity. One of the things for certain, if you're going to have a cooling system failure, if you're going to have it, you're probably better off having it in the middle of January than you are in the middle of July. Reason being that that car will overheat very quickly in July and possibly cause engine damage, as well as the, the, the billowing smoke and steam and the mess and, you know, that whole thing. You've got to think about componentry. You've got to think about the AC system, like the cooling system, like the you know the fuel injection system. Everything is a component and part and parcel of what the vehicle is made up of and in terms of how well that vehicle will survive. So when you start looking at air conditioning and you're looking at air conditioning performance, if that vehicle is eight years old or older, if that vehicle is five years old or older, you want to consider overall condition of the other cooling system components because they are also going to affect cooling system operation. They make a very big deal. And also, depending upon where you live, you know, for our listeners in Florida, they'll tell you the dragonflies that they pull out of the condensers and the debris that, that, that comes up there to block the AC condenser, it's huge, the amount of bugs in certain states. I remember we had a, we had a listener down in Florida one time. He, he lived up in North Jersey. He went between North Jersey and Sanibel Island, I think, down in Florida. His license plate was Bugsy. Um, I think he's passed now. This was 10 years ago. I haven't seen him in years and years. But I remember one day Bugsy came up with his Honda Odyssey, and we were changing the oil on the car, and we put it up in the air and cleaning the AC condenser of all the bugs and the, and, and the crud and the, the things he picked up on the road. And a little baby, I swear to God, a little baby alligator, no bigger than 18 inches, had crawled, no bigger than eight, that's a foot and a half, had crawled up inside the belly pan, all right, underneath the bumper, and you had to drop the belly pan shield to do the oil change. I think it was Gus Gus was the mechanic at the time. He jumped 12 feet, right? He undid the shield. The shield dropped to the ground and out popped this alligator head, and he was just like, oh, my God. Um, it was it was time for coffee uh, and a bathroom break um, and a little cleanup. I mean, it was just, it was a mess. So you start thinking and talking about what gets caught up inside condensers and radiators and grills. I can only imagine what they pick up in Texas. So, you know, that's where the barbecue comes from, roadkill barbecue. Would that work in Texas, Tony? Would that work in Texas? You know, if you had a, if you had a, a, a barbecue stand, roadkill barbecue? No. No? No. no. The, the, you know, the, the key word is roadkill. Yeah, no. but what if, you, what if you ran over a cow? No. No? That doesn't... Not attractive. This is not a Bugs Bunny cartoon. This is not Wildy Coyote in the Roadrunner, okay? No. No. Roadkill barbecue. Okay. No. By the way, I hear your mom's coming next week. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, she is, um, unfortunately. Um, 
uh, a, a friend of the family passed away. I'm but sorry. She lived a lifetime. She's uh, she was 101. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, listen. Uh, you know what? You can't ask for much more than that, bro. No, no. So she she lived a lifetime. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna meet your mama next week. Yeah. Uh, well, if she stays here long enough, I'll bring her out here to meet. Unfortunately, you and Tom. Uh, why? We'll, we'll be nice. We won't tell her anything. Look, she knows me already. Forty-eight years. She knows about me. Okay. Just Nothing checking. surprises her about me. That would be great. We'd love to meet your mother. <laughs> we'll be nice, won't we, Tom? <laughs> yeah. Right. If Tony pays us enough, we'll be really nice. No. But uh, is your mom a Giants fan? No, she's. Yes, she is. She is, and she's living in Houston. Yeah, but she was born and raised in Brooklyn. You know. Giants, the Knicks, the Yankees. Okay. So that's where you get it from. Yeah. Okay. Uh, plus, I'm smart. Well, how are the Mets doing, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the regularly scheduled program. The regularly scheduled program. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, the whole point is take a look at and consider, you know, radiators, condensers, and the other cooling system components if you're doing any kind of work on uh, air conditioning this summer, getting the vehicle ready. Uh, another thought I want to get into, and I was reading an older copy of Motor Age magazine. This is written by a gentleman, Eric Ziegler. He's the contributing editor. And he talks about the why and how of scanning. He, he starts with vehicles are becoming more complex with many consumer-driven feature improvements to vehicle navigation, infotainment, and safety systems. The price tag on these modern high-tech marvels that many of customers own is equal to or more than the house you grew up in. That's true. The modern automobile is usually one of the greatest investments. I don't know if investment is the right word, but I think it's one of the greatest expenses, second only to the purchase of a home that people nowadays make in their lives. Since vehicles are costing more, the cost of repairing them is increasing. A lot of this is due to the advent of the expensive safety systems like airbags, restraints, seatbelt pretensioners, collapsible steering columns, etc., adaptive cruise control, the list goes on. The article goes on to talk about the value in pre- and post-repair scans. Pre- and post-repair scans are becoming a bigger and bigger part of what we do, especially in collision centers. While there are tooling and online options for pre- and post-scanning, establish a working relationship with a local mobile diagnostics professional or a stationary, mobile, a stationary diagnostics professional is your best bet if one is not available, if one is available in your area. No online service can realistically compare to having boots on the ground professional when it comes to data interpretation and ensuring a successful programming outcome. The point of this is, is he talks about post, pre and post repair scanning, and he talks about pre and post repair scanning on collision vehicles. You've got to think of scanning a car as you go to the doctor on an occasional basis or on a regular basis, stick out your tongue and say, ah, Sometimes scanning a vehicle at an oil change, if you're going to document it and store the information and maintain a file on it, can tell you where that, that car went bad, where that person went bad. I know someone that was caring for their mom uh, for the past two years, and the, the mom was going to doctors and, 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 and getting regular checkups, and everything was good. And then one day, all of a sudden, the, the mom's memory was being treated as unnatural. Uh, and within three months, the mom developed dementia. So that mom was scanned four times over a two-year period, just like, you know, she was plugged into the computer and tested and tested and tested, and then one day it went bad because they had a baseline to work from. Same thing with your car. you got to give the mechanic a baseline to work from. I think successful diagnostics and less expensive vehicle repair is going to come about by doing regular scanning on a regular basis and making more to do or dealing and doing more with that data. So um, excellent article, Eric. I appreciate it. Uh, 
Um, and then he goes on to talk about the number of PIDs. I mean, you know, the average Ford today has over 430 PIDs. That's over 430 pieces of data stream um, in the vehicle. You know what it takes to interpret that? That's it's staggering stuff. Um, the numbers are just getting higher and higher every day. Where will it end? 855-560-9900. Ron and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Keep Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Received an email this week uh, from a friend, Bruce. He was a, um, he's an insurance dude out in Pennsylvania. We talked to Bruce a couple of times a year. Um, you know, just, just a real good acquaintance and a good guy. He's a car guy. He's a, uh, he's a podcaster. He subscribes. He listens to us. Uh, somehow vis-a-vis. Hey, Ron, I hope this note finds you well. I wanted to ask you about oil, conventional or synthetic. $64,000 question, right? He says, Bruce says, I just bought a 2007 Volvo XC70 wagon with a 2.5-liter turbo. It's got 191,000 miles on it, and I want to do an oil change. I've never owned a car with a turbo before, so I'd like your expertise on the subject. The owner's manual says 530. They also suggest Castrol. I do my oil changes faithfully at 3. The previous owner mechanic just used conventional oil. My question is, because of the turbo, should I use conventional or synthetic? Do turbos tend to run hotter and maybe break the oil down sooner? The car goes back and forth to work, mostly highway and country roads. Let me know your thoughts. Love the radio show. I download the podcast, listen to the car all the time. It's a great resource of information. Still need to visit one day and do lunch. Warm regards, Bruce Dunna. Yeah, Bruce, baby, anytime. Come on out. Um, you know... I like synthetic. I like synthetic clearly better than conventional, and especially in a case of a vehicle that's got a turbo on it, all the extra heat and all of the, uh, you know, the other thing you've got to think about is all of the extra schmutz, non-technical industry term or technical industry term that's built up in this engine over the past 11 years and 191,000 miles. You know, oil will create sludge down in the crankcase. That That can be a very acidic, very caustic type of material. So, you know, synthetic has a better cleaning ability. It will help uh, break down the oil and maybe over time wash out some of the varnish and some of the other deposits that build up inside the engine. So synthetic is clearly the way to go. I don't know that you necessarily need to use Castrol. Um, Castrol's a fair oil, but it's also, I personally think, the marketing department of Volvo got together with the marketing department of Castrol. And if memory serves me right, I think Volvo was sponsoring Castrol or Volvo was sponsoring, I'm sorry, Castrol was sponsoring Volvo for some, um, I think, some races or something 10, 12 years ago. And, you know, that's how we sort of got the oil to go into all their cars and all the money that that made. So, listen, it's just got to meet OE manufacturer spec. I don't think there's anything proprietary in Castrol. What, he use a good quality and name brand oil? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you can put Mobile One in it, and it'll still work just as well because Mobile One meets all new car manufacturer specs as well. So, uh, you know, do that. Get yourself some 530 Mobile One synthetic, and you'll be just fine. But the key is synthetic over conventional. Do I do the oil changes at 3, or do I take them to 5? I think you're okay at 5. You want to do the first couple of oil changes early? That's fine, too. 
just know that you can sneak it out to 2,000 miles, especially if you're doing oil changes. You know, you're doing your driving. A lot of your driving is out on the road. You're doing all highway, um, you know, big city cruising, you know, or, or not big city cruising. So um, uh, that's that's part of this as well. Bruce, um, you know, as always, and, geez, 191,000 miles. That's, uh, you know, you've got to look and see what engine that is. That should be, oh, the 2.5 turbo? Got to think about when was the timing belt done in that last, because by now it's, it, it should have been done at least once, if not twice. So you want to make sure that that gets taken care of as well. But, um, you know, synthetic is clearly better. And, oh, and let me elaborate on that for a quick second. The, the reason it's going to be more apropos for this, the amount of heat that that turbo is going to build up is, it's excessive. There's no other way to say it. Synthetic oil helps resist that heat and helps break, helps resist what they call thermal breakdown. That's the college word, where the oil, with it, it gives the oil the ability to withstand, uh, you know, high heat up to a certain application. So um, that will keep that going longer because I absolutely know this for a fact. That car needs a turbocharger. You don't want to put a turbo in that car in any way, shape, or form because it just gets way too expensive. So. Uh, yeah, let's go synthetic and let's go something other than Castrol if you want to. 855-560-9900. Ron Anini, The Car Doctor, coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anini, The Car Doctor, winding it down this hour. Quick piece of email. I keep answering the same question, but it's from a different person. I, I must be a popular problem. 2015 Honda Accord. Owner's manual says trailer tow is capable of... A thousand pounds. Dealer says, "Do not tow with a CVT." The manual says, "Yes, I want to tow a 350-pound boat trailer." What can you tell me? Um, you know, listen. Um, as before, what does the manufacturer say? All right. If the manufacturer says yes, now you got to go to the dealer and say, "Why do you say no? What are you seeing that makes you not want me to tow this vehicle? Uh, to tow with this vehicle?" And you got to abide by that decision. I, I, you know, I don't think a Honda Accord is a great vehicle either um, but it sounds like a small boat you've got a 350 pound boat and trailer so we're not talking about towing the queen mary uh, but just be mindful that you are working the car a little harder than perhaps it was intended to be even though it's rated for it um, but just be aware that you want to put certain safety precautions in place you know the right chains the right lights you know the right stuff in terms of making that work so but i would also suggest calling American Honda and getting their opinion because it's, you know, why would the dealer say one thing and the owner's manual says something completely different? But, um, you know, I think you'll get your answer that way. Again, I'm not saying tow a big boat, but I would think you'd be okay towing a reasonably sized 350-pound boat. Sounds more than enough. Hey, let's get back to it. Let's finish out with our real fix, sure track fix of the week from the folks at Mitchell One. Um, Theft deterrent issues. Vehicles have come with factory-installed security systems for many years. As the vehicles get older, security isn't much of a concern, which I've been saying for a while. You know, this is a 2000 Pontiac Bonneville. Back in the day, this was a great car. Nobody's going to try and steal a 2000 Pontiac Bonneville anymore. This particular car had a P1626, replaced the powertrain control module. Customers said the check engine light was on. They hooked up a scan tool, found code B1626. Theft deterrent, fuel-enabled system lost, disconnected the body computer, inspected the connector, found no sorts of voltage with ignition on. With the key on engine off, they used a multimeter to measure the voltage of the body control. Theft deterrent, fuel-enabled circuit, and found the measured voltage was the specified 5 volts. Turned the ignition off and reconnected the controller. With the key on engine off, they used a multimeter. Let me turn the page. Okay. They used a multimeter back probe, the fuel enable circuit at the PCM, measured Hertz frequency, and found the frequency was an inspect, disconnected the powertrain control module, found no signs of damage. 
they verified that the, oh, gee, the replaced powertrain control module was faulty. New means never, ever worked. Replaced the powertrain control module, cleared codes, did a road test, and verified the vehicle operated properly. And that's something to keep in mind. And this comes to us courtesy from the folks over at Mitchell One, MitchellOne.com. Good stuff. Um, their relational database is second to none. They've got a lot of information in there. If you're looking for real-world fixes, MitchellOne.com. That's open to anybody, I believe. You just have to find their SureTrack fixes. Um, keep in mind that that P1626 was a very common failure with that generation of GM product. We get into these no-crank scenarios or these crank-no-start scenarios. Just because the check engine light's on, how would you know if it was? The car doesn't start. You want to scan it. Scanning everything is where this industry is going, and it's really there right now. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.